Okay, thank you everybody. Great to see you. I'm your chair of the session this afternoon. I'm Darren Sharp. It's a pleasure to have you all here today. I want to, um, without any further ado, introduce uh, our first speaker today, which is uh, Dr. Hayden Washington from Cassie, New South Wales. He's an environmental scientist and a writer and activist with a 40 year history in environmental science. He's a visiting fellow at uh, Interdisciplinary Environmental Studies at UNSW, has worked with CSIRL, environmental NGOs, and as a director of the Sustainability Project in the City Council. I'll hand over to you to do about a three state economy. Great, thank okay. you. Hello, everybody. Um, just sort of saying, first off, there are three books out the front here. One's uh, Addicted to Growth, which was the, doc the booklet that uh, I wrote for the 2014 Fenner Conference on the Environment held at UNSW by that name. Uh, the other one's a book that's just come out recently with 17 people talking about a future beyond growth. And the other one is a book about the mystifying sustainability for those who are interested. So, situation is uh, environmentally, we're about to go over the waterfall of the USS uh, economic growth. And we're still talking mantras like jobs and growth that we have to actually expand more if we could advance. So if we consider a child can tell you, actually maybe I should ask this audience, I'll ask every other one. How many people feel that on a finite planet you can grow physically forever? Nobody's putting a hand up. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> um, so you must say you're the first person who has put their hand up. Uh, most children can tell you, asking that question, you can say no, you can't. You can't grow physically forever on a finite planet. It just won't work. And yet neoclassical economics is based exactly on that premise. It doesn't accept limits. It doesn't accept ecological limits. Uh, all environmental indicators, uh, whether it's the uh, ecological footprint or uh, others, point to the fact that uh, we have exceeded the limits of the Earth. We are beyond the ecological limit, which is why we have an environmental crisis. And yet, we've just had an election. What was the mantra of the coalition? Jobs and growth, jobs and growth. Uh, the only solution that we seem to be being proposed with is for more growth. Now, the people who wrote Cradle to Cradle, Braungart and McDonough, point out that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome. But that's what we're doing. So are we, in fact, fooling ourselves? So we're all familiar with Hans Christian Andersen about the fact that the emperor's new clothes where he was told he was given nothing and he was told it was such a beautiful set of clothes that only the foolish could not see it. So, in other words, is our current economic system a delusion? Uh, if we're trying to talk about a new economy, do we have to think that we have to rethink the way we're approaching uh, our economy? In the 20th century, human population went up fourfold, industrial pollution 40-fold, etc., etc. Mining 27-fold, 35% of mangroves were lost, uh, half of wetlands, extinctions at least a thousand-fold above normal level. At normal levels, and in fact, by the end of this century, the latest estimates are if we continue the way we are with our current economy, two thirds of life on Earth will be extinct. How many of you knew that figure? I've not heard that that's questionable because we're not counting things like um, uh, bacteria. Well, it's, yes, sure. The subtext of that of two thirds of multicellular life on Earth, but that's the life that we see. Uh, and um, the point is, 
we're not we're not taught that, and that's a pretty amazing indictment on the way we're proceeding. We've exceeded at least three uh, planetary boundaries, uh, and the Living Planet Index has dropped 52% since 1970. Yet society denies, largely denies this. Uh, we can have a campaign which is still based on jobs and growth as if there were no limits. We have the problem, a long history of denial as society, we have denied. We, we could be called homo denialensis. We call ourselves homo sapiens, wise man, but in fact we could call ourselves uh, homo denialensis. There's no problem with increasing population. There's no problem with DDT. In fact, there's still people who argue that, who attack Rachel Carson. There was no problem with, if we have a nuclear war, no problem with tobacco, no problem with biodiversity crisis, no problem with climate change. Uh, and I wrote a book about the problems of climate change denial, and no problem with the growth economy. So do you see a trend? As a species, we have a fatal flaw, which is that at least half of us are very comfortable with flicking our switch in our brain and denying that we have problems. Um, so we need to speak of that which must not be named to go into Harry Potter parlance. Um, we have to break the silence of denial and actually discuss the serious problems we have. Now, the trouble is that most economic faculties and textbooks are, uh, in fact, at the 2014 Fenner Conference at the Environment at UNSW, what was the one faculty that basically had, or one faculty certainly from UNSW where nobody came from? Economics. <laughs> so, um, so most economists from traditional schools still deny, ignore or deny the problems. Now, daily points out that economic growth, it seemed to be the cure for everything. Poverty, unemployment, debt replacement, etc., etc. Crime, divorce, drug addiction, jobs and growth apparently is going to fix it all. If we move on. So we have a growth mania where Edward Abbey pointed out growth for growth sakes, the ideology of the cancer cell, but world leaders still espouse growth above all else. Now Herman Daly, who's the father of the idea of the steady state economy, pointed out that the verb to grow has in fact become twisted. I mean, who here has never stopped growing? We've got no children. <laughs> so the idea of growth, the original notion is we go to maturity, which sufficiency or a steady state. But didn't the economic greats support growth, endless growth? Well, in fact, they didn't. Adam Smith uh, suggested there would be a growth period for about 200 years and then we'd have to transition to non-growth. John Stuart Mill actually argued that a steady state, a stationary state, would be much better than our present conditions. So they didn't actually envisage endless growth. Now, there's four very four quick assumptions I want to go through uh, behind current neoclassical economics. It's very anthropocentric. Nature is not seen as having any rights. It's just seen as a thing or a source. There's the idea of the invisible hand, that the free market will control everything, the, the main key idea of neoliberalism, the idea that the economy can grow forever and rise in GDP, if we move on, uh, refusal to accept any limits or biophysical limits, the idea of a circular theory of production, that consumption creates production, that creates consumption, creates production, which of course is not actually what happens in nature. If we move on. Uh, which it ignores the second law of thermodynamics because it believes we can grow forever. Uh, environmental damage is just seen as an externality, a 
peripheral thing of not much importance, and all forms of capital can be substituted. So that the idea that we can substitute human capital or build capital for natural capital, which is the idea of weak sustainability, which many economists, mainstream economists, still espouse. Uh, so are these assumptions valid? Well, basically, in terms of environmental science and what's happening in the world, they're actually absurd. But there's still the, uh, the assumptions that underpin the dominant neoclassical economic synthesis, which is why we have an environmental crisis, it's why we have a climate crisis, and we have the social, the, the, uh, social crises that go along with these. We move on. The steady state economy, there's Herman Daly, Three, three simple points, basically. Uh, constant population at an ecologically sustainable level, so we're not saying people can keep increasing in numbers forever. A constant low level of throughput in materials and energy, and a distribution of wealth which is fair and equitable on an intergenerational basis. Uh, and there's you know, a, a discussion of this by James Magnus Johnson in there. So neither population, Artifacts can continue to grow forever, but what can grow forever is our culture, knowledge, goodness, and ethics if we move on. Now, so what should a new economy mean? So, I suspect my time is. Hmm? Okay, oh, it's not too bad. Uh, I, in the past, in indigenous societies, and all societies have an economy of some sort, they move goods and services around. In the past, the economy was a servant of society. Now it's the other way around. We have been locked into a growth economy where everything must be sacrificed to the growth economy. So the economy needs to return to being a servant, not the master. Uh, it can't continue to be based on a denial of reality. And as I say, we're pretty good. Uh, T.S. Eliot noted that humans cannot handle very much reality. We're pretty good at uh, denying it, so, but really, we have to move back to accepting, we have problems accepting where our physical laws and ecological limits. Uh, therefore, it can't be based on endless growth, and it has to be based on sustainable well-being for both humans and nature, which is really what Ayla's talking about. Uh, and uh, Peter Victor uh, from York University has actually done low-grow modelling where he's shown that you can actually uh, move to a very low-grow or no-grow economy and actually reduce unemployment in the economy. So, basically, I would argue that it is time to see that the emperor has no clothes. If we, So, are we going to remain part of the growth illusion? So, if the emperor has no clothes, are we also going to be in that same uh, issue and talk about jobs and growth, jobs and growth, as a mantra, as if this is somehow going to change reality. Now, this is available as a PDF on Cassie's website. Um, it's also available here for $10 in hard copy, Addicted to Growth, which discovers, discusses these in more detail. Uh, there's also the Fenner Conference on the Environment. Uh, if you Google that to 2014, you'll find all the talks by a whole lot of speakers basically pointing out uh, the fact that endless growth isn't going to work and what the steady state economy can do to contribute. Um, there's lots of things you can do within the steady state economy in our 
forum tomorrow, Anna Slunky, who's the other co-director of Cassie, who's in speaking at the other another session at the moment, is actually going to go through some of the steps towards a steady state economy. Um, there's two, three, three other things I'd just like to mention, which are not so much on the slide. That's the last slide. Just to talk about, you hear lots of different economies around. We heard about the next economy today. At the moment, uh, you'll hear a lot about the green economy, which came out from the United Nations Environment Program, and you'll hear a lot about the circular economy. Um, the thing is, they green economy is basically a low-carbon low economy and a low-materials-use economy. Uh, circular economy is basically the same thing. The difference between that and the steady-state economy, and uh, Paul Toomey of UNSW and I compare the different economies in the chapter in the Future Beyond Growth, is that neither the circular economy or the green economy, neither of them discuss overpopulation, neither of them really discuss overconsumption. Both of themselves see themselves as new engines of growth. So they're still in that endless growth mindset, although clearly, obviously, we've got to move to a, a low-carbon economy very quickly, uh, the same as we have to uh, deal with equity issues very quickly. quickly. Um, but um, you'll hear a lot more about them than you will about the steady-state economy, sadly, largely because most economic faculties uh, will not, in fact, discuss... Uh, Herman Daly was nominated for a Nobel uh, prize for economics, but of course he, he never got it. He got the Blue Planet Prize, but uh, he didn't receive uh, that. So that's that's really well. I'll, I'll uh, finish off for now. Uh, so thank you. <laughs>